This podcast was produced from an Elevate live webinar. Our topic today is mental health, and our guests are Sir John Kerwin, of course better known as JK, and Dr. Fiona Crichton from Mentimia. Mentimia is an app that coaches mental well-being. JK provides real-life insight into his own struggles with mental health and how he has learned to not just survive, but thrive. He provides humorous and really practical examples that apply as much on the footy field as they do on the worksite and in the office. Find out how he deals with his own monkey brain. Dr. Fiona helps us to understand how our brain works during times of stress and how we can alleviate stress with really simple techniques like breathing properly for just a few minutes at a time. You'll find this podcast invaluable as an individual, as a leader, and as a friend of others who might be struggling. Welcome along to those of you that are joining our webinar this evening. Absolutely delighted to be joined tonight by Sir John Kerwin and Dr. Fiona Crichton. Thank you so much to both of you for joining us this evening. Great to be here. Really, really excited, really cool. Um, that we can make some time and just looking forward to it. Fantastic. Yeah, what an awesome way to spend a Thursday evening. Thanks, guys. Yeah, indeed. Uh, look, we've got some stats in the construction industry we're not proud of. We've got some real challenges around uh, mental wellness. Um, our suicide rates are something that we're committed to changing and, and improving. Um, and so, you know, we're really looking forward to having an, an open conversation. We've got uh, two people that are that are experts uh, tonight with JK and Fiona. Um, JK, of course, has uh, not only been a fantastic spokesperson for for mental wellness in our country, and we you know acknowledge and thank you for that, JK, uh, but also someone who's lived through um, mental wellness challenges. And uh, we're also excited to have uh, Dr. Fiona with us, who um, brings a lot of the uh, in depth research, the knowledge about how our brains work, how we deal with these kind of challenges, um, what's really going on in the chemicals up there as we um, have these kind of kind of discussions so um, maybe could we lead off JK with you uh, it's been a time of great uncertainty for us uh, not only domestically in New Zealand but certainly internationally and I think that's presented uh, additional challenges uh, for us you know what's the what are you seeing out there in terms of what people are coping with and how they're going about dealing with the maybe the increased challenge yeah, look, I think the first thing to talk about is that we've all got mental health, right? So we all have mental health and we're all on that spectrum at any one time in our lives. And it's great having Fiona here because one of the problems with me, you know, I was, um, I was a butcher. I left school when I was 15. Um, no one really spoke to me about mental health. I mean, I'm a, I was a rugby player you know, played my footy. I used to get nervous before a game. I didn't relate that to um, mental health or, 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 or any sort of awareness. So I think the most important thing we established earlier is we've all got mental health. And crisis, be it at home or be it at work or be it internationally, is going to change that ebb and flow that you normally might have. For example, um, you know, what we all went through with COVID heightened our ourselves being anxious about one or many things, finances, do I, am I going to have a job? What's going on with the rest of the world? You know, I've got family in Italy, what's going on with them? So any sort of pressure on your normal day-to-day -day life is going to create some sort of anxiety. And what we talk about is if we can accept that, I'll take you back a wee bit, uh, right, about, about me. So I ignored my mental health totally. I started getting anxiety attacks. That fell into a depression. I still didn't tell anyone, right? Still did not tell anyone um, until I wanted to jump out of a window one night in Buenos Aires. And I was very lucky that I had um, my roommate lying next to me who said to me, JK, you've got a good heart, right? And his name was Sir Michael Jones, um, otherwise known as the Iceman. And people say to me, well, they call him the Iceman because he was so cool under pressure. So now we call him the Iceman because he used to smash so many people that had ice packs all over him after the game. But, you know, I finally, I finally got home and I spoke to my doctor. You know who my doctor was? My doctor was the all-black doctor. I had been away with him for a month and still didn't talk about it, right? So, so JK, can we, can we dig into that a little bit? You know, what was it that was preventing you at that time from uh, going, hey, I'm facing some challenge here. Can I talk about it? Well, A, and I want to bring Fiona in shortly. Hey, I didn't know anything about this shit, right? I didn't know that um, sustained 
pressure in your life and anxiety is going to put you into a, into a state of fight or flight. So I didn't know anything about it. I also thought it was a weakness and not an illness, right? So three things that um, stress, anxiety, and depression does to you, right? It first takes away your self-esteem. Secondly, it takes away your self-confidence. And the third thing, it takes away your enjoyment in life. They're all part of what I call the illness, right? So I thought it was a weakness. So all those things I was suffering from, I thought it because I wasn't good enough. So I'm not going to reach out to you because I feel inferior. I don't feel that you'll, you'll understand. And I feel that I'm weak and I shouldn't be feeling like this. So the nice thing about me when I did reach out was that I went on this, I went on this sort of journey, and I hate using that word journey because it's a bit fluffy, but I went on this journey of understanding, A, the science, what my mind is going through, and then creating the tools and techniques that keep me well on a daily basis. And they're all very different, those tools and techniques. But the interesting thing about now, to answer your first question, is we are all suffering a wee bit because of the uncertainty, right? And so for me, we all have mental health. Right, and we need to look after it, regardless of where you are in that spectrum. And Dr. Fionn, do you want to add in on the on that point there? Yeah. So what JK was talking about was that right now everyone's uncertain, and for him, he can tell that uncertainty is one of the things that people can be anxious about, and that's because the brain interprets uncertainty as though we're going to die. Um, so what happens right now, we're living in an uncertain world because of COVID and also life is really uncertain. And particularly if you're in an industry like um, people on this call and like my husband, you don't know actually if, if um, your job's going to continue or whether or not you're, sometimes you're going to be able to pay some bills. There's a whole lot of things that add up in your life or, or if you're going to be good at your job or if you're going to be able to do these things that you're supposed to be doing. All of those things, that narrative sets us on edge. And what's actually going on is our survival mode. Those messages send a message to a part of our brain called the amygdala, which is in the limbic system in the brain. It's the emotional part of the brain and it's always looking for threat. And so when we spark the amygdala, you know, right now we're living through COVID. The idea when we think about COVID, our amygdala is going to go into overdrive because actually our amygdala is telling us there's a threat out there. When the amygdala is sparked, what happens is it sends a message out to the amplifiers of fight or flight and the cortisol and adrenaline are in our body. And we're living with that all the time. And if we don't recognize that in ourselves and have some strategies we're constantly living in the state of fight or flight and getting exhausted so what jk was saying was that he didn't know what was happening he could feel it but he didn't even know to talk about it so as we go forward and have more of a conversation i'm going to talk about what happens when you talk about it and why talking about it is really a good idea because when you talk about it it moves from the amygdala into the prefrontal cortex and we can control it and we can start to feel better and you know um in New Zealand, we struggle with that. We like to pretend everything's fine. We say, if, if you say to someone, how are you? We all say, JK always says, box of fluffies. We say we're great when we're not. We need to start learning how to talk about our feelings, talk about what's going on for us. Because when we say, actually, I'm feeling a bit crap right now, that moves that, um, that fear and uncertainty into the prefrontal cortex and we'll start to feel better. So we need to talk about this stuff more. Yeah, I mean, I sort of explain it like this, mate, like, because... You know, there's a, there's a zebra in the savannah desert, right? And he's eating grass. And out of the bush comes a lion and chases his ass, trying to eat it, right? And then he actually gets away, the zebra. You know what he does? Goes back to eating grass, right? What do we do as humans? We worry about the shit. We worry about the lion in the, in the, in the trees all the time. And I think that I, what I didn't understand that increase in ongoing pressure puts your body into this alert mode. But as humans, because we were one of the species that got eaten a lot, <laughs> we, are, you know, we get into that mode and constant pressure is going to do that to you. And right now, you know, everyone has the right to be a little bit anxious. But the most important thing to do is rather than bottle it all up, you, I, I, I talk about making peace with your emotions, right? And if you make peace with your emotions and understand that you're feeling a bit off or not feeling cool, or you know, then you then you can at least externalize it and then have some you know have some plans and, and put some tools around that stuff. So I associated mental health with 
If I told someone, man, they're going to lock me up and I'm going to go into a loony bin and I'm nuts. You know, that is not mental health. So all of our, all of our ideas about mental health is steeped in negativity. But what we've got to realize is that to be open and vulnerable about your mental health, right, to the people who you care about is the most important thing you can do, right? And it's not a weakness. And Absolutely. I think that's really, really important to remember. And I think that it's normal to feel anxious. All of the stuff that you were talking about is about being a human being. We are designed to save ourselves. The smartest people in the world are the most anxious, you know, because anxiety keeps you safe. The way that anxiety works is you start planning for the future. You're doing things. The most successful people are often highly, highly anxious, and no matter where we are in the world. And if we start recognizing that, part of being a human being is to sometimes have emotions that are difficult, have really difficult things happen because life is uncertain. We're just finding that out on a global scale because many of us have not lived through the kind of situation that we're living through right now. Life is random, life is uncertain. So actually what we need to start recognizing in ourselves is that anxiety is normal. I, and we just want to have some tips and some tools so we don't get stuck in anxiety because what you said was true, JK, is if you've constantly got adrenaline cortisol going into your body because you're in fight or flight, that's really not good for us. Adrenaline keeps us um, tense because it's designed for us to be able to fight. Yes. Um, so, and it's exhausting. And cortisol shuts down our digestive system and our immune system. So if you're constantly having those stress hormones because you're in fight or flight, you know, it's not good for your physical health as well as your mental health. And in COVID, you know what? We want our immune system to be really pumping. So let's have some strategies. Um, Mentimeter is one way to find them. But let's start talking to each other about the things that we do because JK has some tips and tricks that work for him, but everybody is different. And with Mentimere, what we want to try and do is, is recognize that people are different. Not everyone's going to want to do meditating or not everyone's going to want to sit around and um, think about uh, the, the, the um, not everyone's going to want to do the same sorts of things. So when we talk about looking forward to something, I might look forward to having a bath and another person would go, I hate baths. What we have to do is start recognizing everyone's different and everyone's entitled to to good mental well-being. Spot on. JK, you look like you had a thought there. You know, I was just going to talk about, um, you know, I went from surviving to thriving, right? And I come up and I say, are oh, you yeah, thriving, JK? Well, are you always happy or something, you dick? And I say, no, no thriving's not being happy all the time. Thriving's actually, for example, Two days ago, I woke up, I'm quite anxious. My wife's flying back to Italy. I'm just feeling anxious about a few things in my life. Um, now, what I did is I had the tools that I use to look after myself, and I just added a couple of extra in during the day and took a little bit of care for myself. The anxiety went away. Did I have a great day? No, I didn't have a fantastic day, but I, had a, I was the best person I could be that day. And I think that's what, you know, that thriving is not about being great all the time. It's actually about having the tools that you need to keep yourself well balanced when you need them. And so I think that's a really important thing to realize. And then the other thing that, um, that, that Fiona spoke about is, you know, this is not about hugging trees, people, you know, this is not about having a bath with candles around them. That might, that might suit Fiona, but this is about finding what's good for you. Like a mate comes to me the other day, right? And uh, he, he comes around and he said, we play touch, we're shit. Um, we used to be really good, now we're shit. Uh, and he comes around and he goes, you know, I, I, I bugged my knee. And I said, oh, shit, that's no good, mate. And he says, yeah, but I went to the doctor and the doctor said to me, you know, I'm going to um, have a look at it, have a look at it. He said, yeah, mm, think it might be bugged. Better go to the specialist. Jammed a couple of Voltarins down his god, a bit of anti-inflammatories. Um, goes to the specialist and said, yeah, you've done your ACL, mate oh, shit, I can operate on you in three weeks' time. And listen, um, what we'll do is, I reckon, three to four months, and you'll be good. So my mate's going, oh, and guess what? It was Sonny Bird Williams' surgeon. I'm going, oh, awesome. I hope he gives you that body and some speed. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice if you get all of that, yeah, don't you? I hope you inject some of that speed in there, bro. And you definitely don't have his abs. But, you know, and we're laughing about it. And he says, yeah, three, four months, I'll probably be back playing touch. And I said, that's cool, mate, but no one gives a shit. We're over 50 and we're crap. 
And, I, and then he said to me, but that's not what I'm here for, JK. I said, oh, what's up? And he says, oh, I'm really suffering. You know, I'm struggling at work and um, I'm really anxious all the time. I, I think I'm depressed. I think I've got a case of the JKs. And I said, oh, sweet, mate. So what are you talking to me for? <laughs> you know, I'm a butcher, right? Now, I can, if you talk to me about it, I can help you because I've got life experiences. I can give you my book and that sort of stuff. But what did he do? What did he do with his knee? Went to the doctor, took the anti-inflammatories, went to the surgeon. The surgeon says, mate, going to operate in three weeks' time. And then that's three months' recovery. You know what we do with our mental health? We don't talk to shit. We don't talk to anyone. We build it up on all inside. We don't go to the doctor. If we do go to the doctor and he says, you might need some anti-inflammatories, oh, I'm not taking that shit, you know? And so we just need to change our philosophy around this because it is a strength, not a weakness. So I just think that those things are important to... And I think it helps also to understand what, what anxiety is. If we know that it's happening in our brain and that we all get it, then we can start to think about the strategies that we need to be able to stand our amygdala down. So anxiety is your fight or flight response. But the great thing is that there's this opposite response called rest and digest. Rest and digest. You can't be stressed and relaxed at the same time it's phys physiologically in our bodies it's completely impossible so some of the strategies to deal with anxiety are just simply physical especially if you've got kids a lot of us on this call will have kids who you can see struggle with anxiety so you know what get them outside and doing some running around the block or some physical things because when you've got adrenaline in your body, doing some exercise is a really good thing because it's a way of using the adrenaline. If the adrenaline is just sitting there, it's going to make you feel really crappy. The other thing is to understand that if you want to force your body to relax by breathing, JK can tell you how he breathes because it's a really good one, is that when you breathe long and slow, every day a little bit of long and slow breathing is a way to tell your um, amygdala to stand down because when we're under stress, our, um, our breathing is in our chest and you don't even necessarily notice it. You, 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 I find that I hold my breath and then I'm feeling a bit yuck and it's because I'm stressed. We do these silly little things every day and we can do some real simple um, things with our body to make our, us feel better. We don't even have to sometimes deal with our thoughts. It's just a simple way of going, sometimes just clenching your fists as, as hard as you can and then relaxing them can stand your amygdala down. So once you understand that that's what's happening in your body, you can do little subtle, sneaky things during the day. Hey, JK. Is there, is there a couple we could try right here, right now? Because I'm sure we've got some people on the call that are, you know, have a, have a level of stress in their life. We know that the construction industry comes with plenty of challenge. There's uh, very tight timelines. There's big dollars involved. Uh, getting the right teams uh, involved is, is challenging and they can be great one day and feel like they're not so great the next day. Uh, we get customer pressure. So we might be some people going, oh, could you just hurry up, tell me the quick stuff, and then I need to get back to doing the pricing and getting the invoices out and, and the like. What, what could be a couple of things you could lead us through now? Is there, is there something that we could do? Yep, totally. I will, I will tell you a little story and then I'll get Fiona to take us through a breathing exercise. Great. So um, when I was incredibly unwell, I had to go on antidepressants and I went, to, went back to my, um, my psychiatrist and she said, okay, Jack, are you ready to work on your anxiety and your depression? I said, yep. She said, well, the first thing you need to do is learn how to breathe. I said, what do you bloody mean? I'm standing in front of you. I'm alive, girl. You know? And she said, no, no, you actually need to learn how to breathe. So there's a couple of things. I breathe properly five or six times a day. I, and yesterday and the day before, I was quite anxious. So I probably did it 20 times and it was amazing for me. So my tension goes into my shoulders as well. So when I breathe, I actually have two responses. I start relaxing and my, and my shoulders drop, right? Um, so I do two or three different types of breathing, but I think we'll get Fiona just to take us through one really simple one that you can do. And the good thing is you can do this without anyone knowing. And I promise you, if you can make this into a habit and do it like I do five or six times a day. So I trigger my habitual change with a moment. So I'm always breathing when I hop in the car, breathing properly when I hop in the car, not the opposite. So I'm the most relaxed driver you've ever seen actually. Right? So, once we learn this breathing, 
attach it with something. You know, if you're a builder and you do a couple of things day, like you get it, you get in the car or you I know, pick up a hammer, I don't know, I'm just making shit up now, but associate it with your breathing and that's what I do. So when I hop in the car, when I can feel my shoulders up, I breathe and I do that six or seven times a day. So we'll just go through a quick one, maybe the most simple one, eh? and then if you love it, do a bit more investigating. There's lots of cool breathing stuff in Mentimere as well. Yeah, so really what I do is just the technique. If you're breathing in the right way, you can do as, as much or as little as you like. So pop your right hand on your chest and your left hand below your rib cage, just on your, on your stomach. And the idea is that you're breathing through your um, nose, in, and your chest shouldn't rise. So if that hand on your chest is rising, then push all of the air down into your stomach. Imagine that your stomach is a balloon and yet you're filling it up. So you're breathing in and then you're holding and you're breathing out through your mouth like, and then blowing the balloon up. No chest rising. And we'll just do that three times. In, hold, out. In, hold. And last one. And what's that is actually doing if we're not moving it? I started to yawn, Fiona, like I always do. I know, I, I, I bore you. I, no, 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 I started yawning. It's always another reaction that I get. Like I drop my shoulders and then I yawn. It seems, it's like this relaxing. Yeah. It's amazing. I feel so much calmer now. And what that does is it, it essentially when you're in fight or flight, you're trying to get oxygen to your muscles. It's a way, a way of oxygenating your whole body and getting the carbon dioxide and the oxygen balance by doing that. And actually it just tells the amygdala, you know what? No worries, mate. There's nothing to worry about. And we try and do that before meetings. We try and do it um, with the, the people that we work with because they're often crouched over computers, which actually doesn't help your breathing. And, you know, it just is a way to feel a lot calmer and it's easy. And as JK says, no one needs to know you're doing it. The other thing that's really important, what's the most famous breathing in the world at the moment? The All Blacks. Um, right. So the All Blacks after a try and the Warriors, uh, with a little less success, but go the Warriors, um, have adopted it as well. Because also when you're breathing like this, you're actually in the present. Yes. So what happens when you score a try in, in professional sport is sometimes you can live in the past and think, shit, what a great try. And then before you know it, the Crusaders have kicked off and scored another try. That really pisses you off, right? Or if you've conceded a try, you can live in the past. Oh, I made a mistake. Shit, I'm useless. You know? So that breathing, you can't live anywhere but in the present. And so when you come out of that breathing, then you think about the immediate next thing that you need to do. Because stress and anxiety also speeds the brain up. So what happened was to, to create Mentimere, Fiona and I interviewed 3,500 people, right? And a lot of people in your industry, a lot of people in other industries, and they said to me things like, JK, my head's on a treadmill. You know, I've got so much shit to deal with. There's no such thing as work-life balance anymore. You're going from home to work. There's pressures on at home. There's pressures on at work. And, and so... But also, we have more inputs in our brain in one day than our grandparents had in a lifetime, right? So people would say to me, JK, my head's on a treadmill. Can you stop it? And I say, well, <laughs> how about this? You know, what happens when the computer breaks down, craps out, you know? We turn it on and we turn it off again. Right? And it works 98% of the time. And that's all these little tricks are. They're just actually giving you those moments in the day where you're not living in the future or living in the past and you're actually standing yourself down. And so it's not complicated, but it's steeped in science and it works. Yeah. So if you put, you put someone in a functional MRI, if they've done some breathing or the, if they've just spent time to be engaged in the present, and sometimes it's as simple as just sitting and looking out into the horizon and noticing what's in the, uh, what's in the sky, just looking around us and going, what's happening in the world right and in this room right now when you draw your attention back into your body you start to feel better and and we if we do an image of the brain we can see that there's less activity in that fight or flight center and in the prefrontal cortex which is your thinking part of your brain there's more activity so it's it's like a cool little tip or trick to to to, to deal with your whole fight or flight system in an easy way and, and i think the other thing we should talk about is Sometimes we've got lots of thoughts in our mind that, you know, breathing 
it's good, but you still find that you're worrying about a lot of things. And I think that in, um, in, in your industry, people are thinking about the future or they're a little bit worried about um, all sorts of things. And it may be that you're waking up in the night and you're finding that those worries are going over in your head because of uncertainty. You might be worrying about your kids. There's all sorts of things to worry about. And that does keep the fight or flight system going. So there are some things that we know that you can do to help you move forward from the worry. So I'm, I, I think JK's example is really great. So um, we call it the worry map, hey? Can yeah. I, guys, can I, can I just uh, pause you for a moment there? I'm, I'm very interested to hear about that. I'd just like uh, maybe for one of you, whoever feels what you want to lead, can you just give us an, over, an overview of Mentimere? We've mentioned it a couple of times. Some of our audience may not be familiar with exactly what Mentimere is and what it's about. Can we, uh, can we have the elevator pitch? Yeah, sure. So uh, I told you about me wanting to jump out of a... Um, you know, wanting to jump out of a window one night and then coming home, reaching out, getting some help and then really great people teaching me tools and techniques of which you've just learned one to keep myself well every single day. And what I noticed was as this world rolled on, uh, we did all these interviews, I realised that those tools and techniques people need in everyday life now because life has just completely changed. So stress and anxiety is the new norm. So what we wanted to do with Mentimere is we wanted to create a really cool, engaging app where you can go in and get tips and tricks for you because we're all different, right? And then bite-sized pieces like the breathing so that you can put them into your day and we start actually having a daily mental health plan. So that's what Mentimere is. Um, it's free. You can download it now. And what we want to do, two things. A lot of the information we're talking about is out there, but it's boring as batshit. So we need to deliver to you guys, ladies and gentlemen, in an engaging form. Plus, the only way to get change is why, why did I associate breathing you know, with me getting in the car? Because if you don't associate it with something and do it on a regular basis, then um, you don't get habitual change. So we want to make habitual change a little bit of fun, right? We want you to engage in it, do it in bite-sized pieces. And as you get the reward, like you've all got just from one breathing exercise, you do that six times a day, then you're not going to get the the, the, the the help momentarily. You're going to get that momentarily six or seven times a day. And so I think that's what Mentimere was created for. And we just wanted to give everyone the opportunity. And it's not... The other, the other thing is we also wanted to change the dialogue, right? When I talk about my active mind, I talk about my monkey brain. You know, we talk about, you know, zebras. We talk about stuff because all our, and the question that was asked before that we're going to answer later is that, you know, the older generation, we don't talk about mental health because, you know, there's just bad karma around it, bad you know, everyone thinks one flow of the cooker's nest. Everyone thinks, oh, you're nuts or you're not good enough. So we need to change the dialogue. We need to change it up because it's not true. And so also changing the dialogue around it and just get people talking about it openly. You know? And also getting people to understand <clears throat> it's for everybody. You know, often when you go out and you say, who would like a mental well-being, some tools around mental well-being, often people talk about my kids might need it, my workmates need it, but I don't. What we want to do is make sure that everyone understands we all need it, you know, because we deserve it. We deserve to feel really good. Just like going to the gym, we, we, we understand about physical exercise. All of these things are about not just making you survive in the world, it's about thriving in the world, doing really well. And the other thing about Mentimere is um, this came from JK's absolute passion for, make, for, for making sure that there's something in it for everybody. Because one of the things we need to understand is everyone is different and that a lot of the things that are out there are just about one way. And this is about find some stuff. So if breathing, I'm hoping breathing is breathing's generally for everyone, but there's lots of things that are not for everyone. And so there should be something in the app that's just for you so that you can oh, find things that you can put in your day to make you thrive. Fantastic. And look, at the end of the session, we'll uh, post a link through to the Mentimere uh, website and we'll also send out a, a link afterwards. So uh, make sure you can get that. Look, I, I think because we've kind of circled around here, the question that uh, Melanie posed, and thanks, uh, Melanie, for contributing, um, I find a lot of success in discussing well-being and mental health with my partner who is in the mid-20s. Um, I think because our generation can be a bit more open-minded about the topic, how can I have the same open, helpful, and constructive conversations 
with my dad slash men that are older to help avoid the standoff defensive response? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good one. So um, what I believe in is um, just showing vulnerability. So I had the same issue in my house. I wanted to be able to parent um, mental health in the home and make it normal. And the psychiatrists and psychologists said to me two things, sit down and have dinner every night. So that's pretty easy. I've got an Italian home. Um, and the second thing is show some vulnerability. And I went, ooh. You know, mm. that's a bit harder. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, you don't have to cry the first night, you dick. <laughs> you know? And um, the next night I put it straight into practice and I just started showing some vulnerability and that gave everyone else around me the permission to be vulnerable. So I think um, you can only lead a horse to water, you can't make it drink. But if you keep bringing up this conversation with your parents or with your dad, um, you know, little by little and show vulnerability and you talk about anxiety and I was on shit, I was on with JK on this on the on the you know on the Zoom and we're talking about and I've suffered and you know eventually they'll come round because it was hidden in their generation. Now, I didn't yes. find out that my dad had what they called they called it a nervous breakdown back then. But no one spoke about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't find out till he was dead, right? Yeah. And my mum had postnatal depression. Um, she went to the doctor in 1965 and he told her to take up smoking and take Valium which she, um, until she got cancer at 86 and she lived till she was 92. Um, so that generation, it had this massive stigma around it. And part of what we want to be able to do is open that conversation. There's another thing you've got to realise. Um, I call it the seatbelt theory, right? The most success we have in changing stuff is by getting our kids on board first. So for example... My son's 25 now. Um, 20 years ago, I pick him up from school and he says, put your seatbelt on, Dad. I said, no, I'm all good, mate. I can drive. No, put your seatbelt on, Dad. And no, I'm all good, mate. I can drive. I'm a good driver, actually. Starts crying. I said, what are you crying for, boy? And he goes, because we got told today if we have a crash, you don't have your seatbelt on, you're going to die. So I put my seatbelt on. And then the next day, he says the same thing. So now it's habitual, right? And so I think those conversations for your mum and dad are really, really hard to keep having them. And you'll just slowly, they'll start understanding it, right? And they'll use different terminology. You might, um, but it's a scary subject for that generation. And Fiona, I'm sure you've got better advice than me. No, your your advice is always perfect because you've thought so much about this. And I was just going to add, but also have a conversation with your, your workmates as well. One of the things that we find is that once you start talking about these things, about you, saying, look, you know, I'm finding that if I do this, this makes me feel a bit better. Sometimes I'm a little bit stressed and these are the things I'm doing to look after myself. Other people will hear that. And that's when we change the dialogue is when we have the conversations, having it with our parents. I've had it with my father-in-law who has slowly but surely, and he, he, um, he is, you know, 17, uh, is he? Yeah. He must be going up for 80. Um, Fitter and Turner, he um, finds me really tricky and, (laughs) um, and, and he has changed so much by us at the dinner table, as JK said, probably more because of my kids talking about things that he is starting to be more vulnerable than I've ever seen. And I think that it's because of permission. They didn't have a word for it. I didn't, no, my dad also had uh, what we would have called a nervous breakdown. We just didn't talk about that stuff, but it's been there for absolutely ever. And the only way we can change it is if we start talking about it because it's hidden otherwise and people feel othered or they don't feel normal or they feel like they're bad or they're not tough enough. Because when Kiwis, we tell Kiwis and especially young Kiwi men to toughen up and let's hope that we're starting to change that because we know that it's ridiculous. What's tough and what's strong is is knowing that you have emotions because having emotions is a part of being a human being. Talking about your emotions helps you manage your emotions and also it helps you thrive. So the more that we can have these conversations, the better we're going to feel. So if I can just jump in there, because when I talk about changing the dialogue, right? So yesterday, the day before, I wasn't very well mentally. But that doesn't mean I wasn't going to do my job and turn up and try and nail it as the best I could. But what I was is I was honest and open, right? Now, that's easier for Fiona and I because we work together and I've always been like this. But you imagine this. If you go to, because this is what's going to happen on the, on the, on especially building sites. Hey, bro, what's up to you, bro? All good, bro? You know, I'm all good, bro. You're all good. You're all good, bro. Right? 
Whereas if you change that to, what's up, bro? You all good? I'm struggling a bit today, bro. Oh, okay, sweet. Got your back, bro. What do you need? You know, it's just a slight change in. Now, when you say you're not too well, then the person on the other side says, are you all good? What do I need to do? Just, just you know, come, you got my back, bro. Or let's have a chat. Or let's go for a chat. You know, it just changes slightly. You don't have to be all, oh, you know. And, and the other thing is you don't have to have the answers. You know, when I reached out the first time, someone told me to harden up. And he's still my best mate. And I said, mate, why would you tell me how hard enough? It was like really devastating. I said, oh, I don't know what to bloody say, did I? I don't know what to do, right? And we don't have to be the psychiatrist, the psychologist. We can leave that to beautiful people like Fiona. But what we can be is an ear and we can say, got your back, bro. Whatever you need, I'm here for you, right? And I think, especially when you're dealing with safety physical safety issues when a lot of the accidents that happen are actually mental tiredness issues, right? And so we just need to change the dialogue a wee bit and open those conversations. But what people are scared of is like um, a mate of mine, and, and let me tell you this with all due respect for those of you out there that do have low numbers on your back when you play footy. <laughs> I'm talking under five actually under four. But anyway, we'll get back to that, right? So a mate of mine rings me the other day and he says, oh, JK, my son got me to download that bloody app of yours, mate. I said, oh, that, oh that's good, mate. Yeah, I'm bloody pleased about it. And he said, yeah, it's pretty good, actually. I said, oh, that's good. And he said, yeah, I didn't have to hit bloody hug any trees. I said, oh, that's good, you know? So mental health is not about hugging trees. Mental health is not about, um, you know, understanding big words and having to, sort of do be the psychiatrist but what you need to be able to is be there for your friend and walk with them right walk with them if they need extra care but the whole thing about men samir is i waited till i was pushed off the cliff what we want to do now is get people to take care of themselves so that it doesn't get too bad but if it's really bad then the best thing to do is reach out to your business get the help you need and get a mate to walk with you you know, but the mate who's helping you, you don't need to understand. You know, sometimes when I'll shit, what am I going to say? You don't need to say anything. Just say, wow, man, that, that must be scary shit. You know, can I come to the doctor with you? Can you? Can I help you cover some, whatever that looks like. Tell me some more about that. What's going on for you? You know, a couple of those open open questions. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Ryan, that, that's that, that, actually it. Because, you know, all of us, when we're telling our stories, we don't usually want someone to solve them for us. And so, you know, as a mum or a dad, often we want with our kids to go in and rush in and for them not to feel sad or angry or upset. We want them to always be chipper and great. We want our workmates to be good because in our heart, that's what we want for our people that we love. But the easiest and the best thing, and the, the, not the easiest, the best thing to do actually is to just listen and not try and fix it because it's impossible in a conversation to fix if there's something enormous going on, like a huge amount of grief, we're not going to fix that with a conversation or we're not qualified sometimes to have those conversations, but we are qualified to lend an ear. And the reason people often don't talk about this stuff is one, they don't want to burden you. You know, they, yes. we don't want to burden people. And the other is we don't want to be judged. And we've really got to move away from that judgment stuff. So if you've got a mate that you think struggling and needs to talk to you, then you know, sometimes opening up a little bit about yourself can be helpful because it gives permission for them, or as JK says, it call, you know, being a little bit vulnerable gives people permission to talk about themselves. And I love what Caleb says, instead of toughen up, open up. I think that's awesome. That's yeah, actually brilliant. what we want. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So how could we approach it um, if we observe one of our teammates, we're on the construction site, you know, maybe they're normally a, a high energy engaged person and we feel like they've just maybe closed down a bit. They're showing a few signs that something's going on for them. How could we broach the conversation with them? I think that the most important thing is pre that, it needs to become part of the dialogue. So I've just built a house, right? Um, and every time I went on site, we got the health and safety chat. <laughs> you know, um, and it was amazing and really cool. But there was the system that people went through. We just need to add mental health to that, right? We just need to say, is everybody cool today mentally? Anything going on? We want to, you want to be aware about, want to talk about, 
you know, anything that might affect us today at work. You know, we talk about whānau at, at, whānau at home and whānau at work, and they're two different families, but we want to go home safe. And so pre, pre that, I think it would be nice if people just started putting that conversation in your morning health and safety. But the second thing is if you've noticed someone that is a bit off colour or starting to close into themselves, it's really easy to just step in and say, Bro, I've noticed a bit of change in you. You okay? If there's anything I can do, right? Um, and you might get pushed back to start with, but then just don't, you know, you, you've just got to keep stepping in. And, and, and if we all are doing it, then all of a sudden they'll open up in the end. And, and you've done your duty. You've done what you should do. It's that we're just not having those conversations at the moment. Sometimes people try and step in and the other person doesn't want to step out, right? Doesn't want to talk about those types of things. But if they open up a little bit, say, yeah, mate, look, I've got some shit going on at home at the moment, but I've got it covered. I've got the help I need, but thanks for asking, bro. You know? Um, so it's okay to be quiet as well. It's like, like, like I said yesterday, three, you know, a couple of days, I had a really close friend of mine who passed away, but I just said it straight away. Look, I, I started a function yesterday. I said, look, I could cry today because um, I'm a really bad way. And actually, just by talking about crying, I felt a lot better. It didn't feel so teary. But I just said, this is what's going on in my life. But I still did my job, right? And I think that's where we need to get to. So keep stepping in. Keep asking them. Keep it open-ended. Bro, you okay? Just a bit worried about you. Uh, need anything? I'm here. Just want to talk or want to have a coffee later or whatever. And then it's really up to them to reach back out to you. But if they feel comfortable, they will. And they might have this shit sorted out. They're just grumpy for a couple of days. And also, the, I, even reaching out, saying, checking in, I've noticed. I've noticed you don't seem yourself. I notice there's something up. Mostly that that's a helpful thing. Just to know that someone is there and connecting with you can be really helpful. Sometimes it's a situation where you it's just not appropriate to talk. So if you can get someone by themselves, like, take them for a walk or if you're having smoko or you're going out for lunch or whatever, trying to go for a walk and talking. Um, as a parent, I'll say that cars are incredible for that. You know, kids will tell you so much stuff when they're in the car and they forget that you're either driving or they, yeah. they're not looking at you. Yeah. Eye because contact's not always good, right? Eye contact, exactly. <laughs> so even if you're going for a drive with your mate or going for a walk and doing something so no one's actually looking, it's amazing how people will open up if they've got time. So it's just, and, and so sometimes it's good to, to do that walking stuff because that's you doing something. It's, it's a bit intense sometimes to just sit there and have the conversation. So if you can combine it with something just that you could also have the conversation, then it's, it's, it's a good idea to try and do that and also not to take offense when people say, nah, you know what? Sometimes it's not about us. So we just yes. have to say, I'm going to try again. Okay. The importance of, making mental wellness mental health a uh just a part of our, our day right it's nothing nothing special it's just what we talk about just like we um you know make sure that we don't have any hazardous items on the site when we work on the construction site it's part of our dialogue when you've uh helped implement mentimia at organizations have you found that mentimia has helped make it part of the conversation has it helped with that kind of dialogue and it just being part of the part of the norm yeah it does because what we're doing is um, I think there was a perception that um, starting to look after your mental health is complicated, but it's actually quite simple, like Fiona's explained. So when we start talking about changing the dialogue and people go in and they, and they read stories and, um, you know, our content feed is incredibly positive um, reaffirmations and you can try stuff. So, you know, I, I think what we're trying to do is just make it really engaging and really simple. And so then you can start having the conversation and you can have a little bit of fun with it, you know, like, oh, shit, you know, I did that breathing. Bloody hell, that worked. Or, you know, I tried meditation. I hated that. You tried that, bro? You know, because I, I can't meditate personally. If you can meditate, it's amazing for you. You should. But like I said, I've got a brain that doesn't stop. Those monkeys just won't stop running around, Jacob. Right. I, I call my <laughs> monkey Bob, you know. I call my monkey Bob. And Bob just doesn't like yoga, doesn't like anything where I'm sitting around. And I'm sure I could get better at it if I wanted to sit on the side of a mountain for 25 years. But I don't have that sort of time. So I need to find stuff that suits my lifestyle and suits me. Now, so I'm an active relaxer, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, every single day I read, right? Um, you know, I play the guitar. I'm the worst guitar player in the world. Actually, I can't even play a song yet. But what happens is because I'm engaged, right, then it's like putting my mind in a washing machine. 
So Bob just has to shut up for a couple of minutes while he try and play a chord. Exactly. He's got to sit in his cage and eat a banana because I'm busy, right? So he can't take off and start thinking about it, shit. So once you understand yourself a wee bit more, and we've got a personality test within Mentimea, because it took me two or three years to work this out because I'd go and do meditation and then come out and think I'd failed because I couldn't mm-hmm. do it, right? Mm-hmm. But the most important thing around your wells, it is for you, right? It is for you. And with us males especially, like made another mate might come around the other day, he said, oh, man, I'm feeling a bit stressed at work. And I said, well, what do you do to chill out? I said, oh, I play golf. I said, oh, when did you play golf? And he said, three weeks ago. And I said, well, that's, yeah. Yeah. that's not too good. Do you drive around in your car for a week? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, when did it get empty? He said, two days ago. And I said, oh, okay, did you fill it up? So, yeah, I had to. I said, well, our brain's no different, brother. Like, if golf is your outlet, that's cool, man. But you need another four or five things as well, you know? And, Jake, yeah. I think you should have tested them. There's absolutely no way that golf can relax you. Well, that's, <laughs> well, that's why I don't play, mate. I hate the game. Yeah, it's one of the most frustrating things on the, on the oh. planet, isn't it? That's right. So I've, I've got a personal goal to take up golf when I'm 90 because uh, I still think I'll beat Joe Stanley who's been playing for 25 years. Too easy. Smoking <laughs> Joe. Um, you know, he'll, he'll get angry after the first tee shot goes astray. Still useless, mate. He's still useless. That's why I, but I, yeah, he reckons it's actually they should get rid of the 18th hole, 18 hole and just go back to the pub. <laughs> <laughs> so to your point, Ryan, about Mentimea starting those conversations, one of the things that you'll find if you go, go to the app is um, there are some videos of JK talking about his daily mental health plan. Um, so that has changed the dialogue a bit, is that, you know what a daily mental health plan, it sounds a bit kind of formal, but really it is just putting things in your day to look forward to. Like, so it might be that you're going to do something with your kids at night or um, you're going to have some time on your guitar or you're going to watch a movie just on a Saturday night. And the great thing about the brain is that when we have things to look forward to, you can cope with more stress in your day. And what happens is the parts of the brain, like your pleasure centers and those good hormones like serotonin, oxytocin, endorphins, and dopamine are, are, are actually triggered just by thinking about things that we look forward to. So it's actually another one of those little tips and tricks is putting something in your day that you look forward to is, is good for you. And it's not an indulgence. It means that you're actually looking after your mental health. So um, think about the things that you love and put that, those things in your day. And the worry map, which I just touched on before, and I think it's important, is that when you have got worries, and we've all got worries right now, if a worry is just sitting in your brain and it's going round and round and round and round and round, that's when we're in fight or flight. But if we can move the worry map, the worry into an action plan, if we have a plan to deal with the worry, then that moves into the prefrontal cortex and we're not going to be anxious anymore. And JK, you do that a lot. Yeah. So when I was really unwell, I had to identify... um, you know, some of my internal problems, and one of them was I was a prolific worrier about shit, right? Um, constantly worried about stuff. And I had another, uh, a couple of others, but what I learned was this thing called the worry map. And it's really easy, it's in the app. It's what can I control? What can't I control? What can I do? And what can't I do, right? And once you start writing that down, you start getting a plan. So, for example, I'm a contractor, COVID, I'm getting smashed financially, right? Uh, Life's completely changed for me and I'm starting to worry about it. But what I had to do is say, what can I control? Can I control COVID? Can I control the companies that are saying to me, sorry, JK, um, you know, we need to deduct your wages or the four things that you're going to do are not on anymore. No, I can't actually. I started worrying about it. I said, well, I can't control them. What can I control? I can ring my bank manager. I can ring other people and say, what do I need to do? I can look to see if I can change some of my expenses. So instead of worrying, I just had an action plan, right? And I actioned that plan and I just let the worry go. That took me a little bit to learn, but it's, you can put it right across your life. When I started this, I had 200,000 worries, right. right? Now I don't worry about too much because I'm automatically just doing that. What can I control? What can't I control? And my wife... My wife and my middle son live in Italy. They just flew it. My wife flew out the other day. You know what? I'm anxious about it. She's not coming back till I don't know when, and I can't go over because I'm not going to self-isolate. So that's a bit of an anxious time. But what can I do about it? Okay, what can we control? What can I, can't I control? What can I do? What can't I do? Once you get that plan, when you think about the worry, you just let it go. 
by focusing on what you can control, that's the, the number one predictor of resilience. So if we can move away from worries and saying, I can't, there's a whole lot of stuff I can't do anything about and this is what I can do, what we see is that's one of the keys to mental health. So if we can all do that, it's really hard to do, but you know, JK is having to deliver. I'm, I've got a kid in LA and my husband's not working at the moment. I could spend a lot of time going over those things, but what I think is I can't get to LA right now, but I'll talk to her on the, oh, well, I, I play actually word with friends with her or, or I, I, I Zoom message her. Mm -hmm. With my husband, we just do the stuff that we can do and the rest of it will take care of itself because there's no point in worrying about it. Yep, got it. And we talked earlier about the power of vulnerability and bring that into the into the workplace. <clears throat> and a lot of our people on the call tonight will be uh, leaders in their own right, in their either by being a business owner or they've got a leadership role in their in their business. So one of the things they could do around some vulnerability would be to uh, grab the Mentimeter app take it into the workplace and go, hey guys, uh, heard about uh, this from JK last night. Um, how about we try some stuff this week and we'll have a chat at the end of the week, see what, see what goes on. And then, you know, that's one step towards being vulnerable as a leader, right? You know, I tried the uh, meditation. It didn't work for me. I tried the breathing. That was, that was quite cool. Um, I found that actually getting home, uh, going for a walk around the block before I came in and unloaded with the family was a was a was a good thing. So that might be a, a first step approach to helping some of these leaders think about being more vulnerable and taking some things they could include their team with. Yeah, and that and that's a you know that's an amazing way to do it. You know, and, and make reference to the All Blacks. They do some breathing. Let's just do some breathing before we start the meeting. And um, you know, yeah, I've tried this and that didn't work for me. That worked for me. And just open the dialogue. Just talking about stuff. Um, you know, how you sharpen the tools, you know, we, got, we do it from a physical point of view, but how do we sharpen those mental tools? That would be amazing leadership, Ryan. I'd love yeah. it if we could all do that. That would be incredible. Yeah. And you know, if, uh, if I bring the uh, uh, business owner perspective to this, you know, we want our organisations to be successful. We'd like to have healthy profit lines. You know, we can't do that without people that are in good shape. Uh, we need not only ourselves as an owner to bring a, our best selves to work, but we also need our team. So if we can invest some time and effort, because uh, you know, you've, we've all seen this in sports teams, uh, we've seen it in, in businesses you know, so many times ourselves when you get the team uh, cranking along in the right direction, good mental wellness, boy, does the business go a whole lot better. And I think the interesting thing to talk about is, especially if you're, if you're a business owner out there, and I know a lot in your industry, have, you have the big businesses, you have small businesses, you know, guys working for themselves, guys with two or three people. But I promise you if you have a daily mental health plan and you put that first, you'll be a better businessman, a better husband, a better partner, you know, a better colleague at work. And I'm, I'm proof to that. But the trouble is when you get caught up in the stresses and pressures of everyday life, you actually don't look after yourself first because you think other things are more important. But we promise you that if you breathe and do other things, you're more productive. You do all those things that you want to be able to do by looking after yourself first. But naturally, as people, we put it behind because we think we need to sacrifice that to be successful in business, where it's the other way around. We know for a fact that it will improve productivity. Right? Spot on. And Fiona, I'm going to throw this question at you. Um, Caleb's asked a really uh, relevant question um, around the effects of drugs and alcohol. I think... We've got uh, a Kiwi culture that's, hey, if I've had a hard day, the best thing for me to go home and is crack some beers or um, maybe something something harder. Um, what what is what is the effect that 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 kind of approach to maybe managing our stress, if that's how we see managing stress as a as a good option? What kind of effect is that having on us at a at a brain and a physiological level? Well, the thing is that what we do with alcohol is to suppress our emotions usually. But the interesting thing is that when you drink, what happens is the inhibitions that we've been keeping, all that stuff that we've been plonking down, that's often when it starts to fizz to the surface. So we find, um, I also started out in, 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 in a legal I was, I was a lawyer for a number of years um, and I changed to psychology because of some of these things that I was seeing about the wow. ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. Mm -hmm. And we do have a domestic violence problem in this country. We have um, some issues with anger. And I don't think it's because we as a culture are worse 
um, and that we're bad people. But it's about the fact that we do not express our emotions. And instead of doing the things that we talked about today, we'll be under stress and then we'll start to hit the booze. And we won't have one or two glasses of wine. New Zealand is a are traditionally binge drinkers. It comes from the six o'clock swill. It comes from, you know, our, our traditions as drinkers generally. And it's also sometimes the way that we can show our emotions. You know, when yes. we're drunk, we say, I love you. Yeah. You're the best. I've had the best time. What we need to do is start to think about having those best times and being able to say, I love you when we don't have the booze. And what alcohol does to the brain is that after a while, you know, we're not functioning as well. Um, with great quantities, we're dealing with things like memory loss. Um, it's not great if you're a, I, I put on weight when I drink. I don't love that about myself either, but it's a depressant. Yes. And so if we're using it to deal with our anxiety or our um, mood, it's doing the opposite. So as, an, as a strategy, it's, it's not a good one. And so the answer, I guess, is to start thinking about having healthy ways to deal with our emotions. So that's really the, the answer. I've, I've, uh, I've been down that road. So um, I call it uh, short-term relief for longer-term problems. Mm -hmm. So um, when I was really unwell, I just hit the, fuck, hit the piss. Sorry, I didn't mean to swear there. I just hit the piss big time. And um, all the things that Fiona was talking about, um, would come out because I was suppressing anger, I was suppressing all sorts of different stuff. Um, but to be fair, I got some short-term relief, but then the next day I'd go back at like 400 miles an hour. Um, so if you ever talk to anyone that's been dependent on alcohol and drugs and they're really well now, they replace, um, they replace that sort of outlet with something really positive. And that's... And look, I still... I enjoy drinking. Um, I say to people, my problem's not drinking, my problem's stopping. Um, but but it's not a release for my stress. Yep. Um, and, and I think we have some uh, problems with our culture that says work hard a week and then good on the piss, right? And then you associate that with, I'm feeling really stressed, I'll wait to have a wine. You've got to take that out of your life um, because what will happen is you get some short-term relief, but you actually wake up tighter, it just becomes a snowball. For example, okay. one thing that I learned that if you are drunk and you sleep, your eyeballs, your eyelid, your eyelids are also drunk. So you don't, when you sleep, you don't go into that alpha mode, um, that REM sleep that you need. So you wake up and you feel like shit because you actually haven't slept. So, you know, sleep is one of the biggest parts of staying well. So what I would say to you that is if you're using this as a, um, you know, as a fix for your stress and pressure, you might get some short-term relief, but longer-term problems, and I've lived that. Thanks for uh, sharing, JK, and I think we can all um, attest to how ineffectual we've been with a hangover if we've had to do some work with one, right? So um, I don't think we're, any of us are sitting here preaching, saying, um, you know, no, no drinking, um, and the occasional um, maybe very big night might well be, well be justified, but let's not use it as a way for dealing with the uh, stresses and pressures we've got, got going on. Superb. Hey, look, team, I'd, I'd like to uh, bring us to a close. Um, did I hear you correct, JK, that you're saying that Mentimere is currently free at the moment? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's currently free, so wow. just go to your app stores and um, wow. download it. So, you know, we, uh, we decided during COVID that people need it, so please jump online, go to your app store, download it, register and get into it. Have a, have a, have a play round. Um, you know, the other thing that we want to do with Mentimere is we want you to feel that it's personalized to you. So the more the user, you use it, the more it'll understand you and um, start um, trying stuff. There's a, there's a really good section that said, try this, you know, and just try stuff and don't put any pressure on yourself. Like I said, the wellness is not a competition, you know. Yeah. If you try something and you don't get any immediate effects from it try it once more keep trying stuff and when you find something where like you guys did all the breathing and some people oh, i felt feel really good well then just keep doing it you know and that's what it's all about 
Fantastic. Uh, look, JK and Fiona, I'd like to acknowledge you both uh, firstly for sharing your uh, precious time with us this evening. Um, secondly, for being such fantastic ambassadors for mental health and mental wellness in our, in our country. Uh, I think you've done collectively such a phenomenal job of moving the conversation forward. Uh, you know, we're not there yet, but being able to go and have a conversation around our mental wellness is in no small um, testament to what you guys have achieved individually and as, as a group. It's been absolutely uh, brilliant. So we'd really like to acknowledge you for that. Uh, look, would totally like to encourage our uh, people that have attended this evening to jump on, give me to me or a try. You know, there is no downside here, right? You've, you've bloody made it free, which I think you're mad, but uh, you know, I think that's, uh, again, testament to what you guys are doing for, for mental health. Get in, give it a try. Use it as a catalyst to, to bring the conversation of mental wellness into your workplace. Um, be vulnerable, get in there, give it a try. Say, hey, I'm going to try a couple of things this week and let's have a chat at Smoko tomorrow and see what, uh, what's, what's worked. It's, uh, yeah, it's and I'd just like to leave you with this little challenge. Um, Sir Edmund Hillary climbed Mount Everest, the first New Zealander ever. He came down and he said, I knocked the bastard off, right? Put New Zealand on the map. We all love him for it. Um, we have some of the worst mental health stats in the developed world. We all need to be Sir Edmund Hillary. We all need to take this challenge because our Everest is our suicide rate and our people that are killing themselves. So that's our challenge. So all of you start opening the conversations. Be Sir Edmund Hillary and we'll knock this bugger off. And from me, everyone on this call, what I want you to do, my challenge to, to you is I want you to do something just for you. If it's not tonight, it's tomorrow. Just yours, something that you look forward to. Start planning it because when you plan it, you're going to get all those good dopamine, endorphins, serotonins, and do it because it's your gift to your family, doing something for you, for them. Well said, Fiona. And um, look, thanks to those of you that are giving some amazing feedback to us in the, in the chat window. We really appreciate you uh, sharing that insight with us and glad we're able to, to help in some way. It's a wrap from us. Thanks again for joining us, JK and Fiona. I really appreciate your time. Bye. Be well.